0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: We could ask ourselves, what could we possibly do against the magnitude of all the people affected? How can so few voices matter? My mind was quickened to the Passage of scripture in First Chronicles 21. When David asked Joab to number the children of Israel. Joab said, the Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. Amen. So how many people prayed tonight? A <laughs> hundred, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred. Amen. That's how many voices Amen, because don't ever discount the power of prayer. I want to tell you, you'll never find the enemy try to fight you with shame any more than when you're in prayer. What am I, what is this voice against so much? I'll tell you what we are. We're God's chosen people. And we will speak his name, and we will call upon him. Amen, he is the hope, and he is our redeemer. Amen, aren't you glad you're here tonight? Amen. I know this is a little unusual, but I just feel like we're doing the right thing. Amen. We're going to pray. This is what we can do. Amen. We may be able to do something on the other side of this, but we can certainly this is what we can do tonight. Amen. There are a lot of people that stand in need of prayer this evening and before we dismiss, we will pray for them. Amen. I just want to speak uh, for a little while this evening. I want to uh, The subject that I want to speak on, I'll give you that and then maybe just toward the end we'll come back to that. But I want to talk about the road to our promise. And I believe that the Lord has certainly, and I understand, I thought again today it just seems like there's been a, a little bit of a common thread the last several times I've spoken. But there's just something in my heart I can't dismiss so I don't say that apologetically but I just, I want you to know I'm acknowledging that, I I get it, but I believe that the Lord has certainly made promises to all of us on different levels, and um, and so I want to talk about that journey, that sometimes the Lord speaks things into our heart, and And I don't want to get all mystical with that. I I just believe that God does really do that. I really mean that, that God speaks things into our heart. How else would we get it? God speaks things into our heart. and, uh, And sometimes we can... The Lord has asked things of me that really made me fear. Amen. He's really asked me to do things that made me afraid. I felt overwhelmed by the request. I felt... Overwhelmed by the call that maybe God had placed upon me at that moment. An overwhelming feeling. And, and so when we talk about fear, I think we have to understand that fear is probably one of the most common human experiences that we could encounter. And I'm not talking about being afraid of spiders or afraid of the dark or things of that nature, but something on a much more deeper level. Fear, real fear. Real fear can be paralyzing. It, it absolutely can be. I have been that afraid on a few occasions in my life. We can fear a lot of things. We can we can fear the consequences of, of our actions or we can fear the unknown. We've certainly most all been there because we can't see around the corner. We can't know what's just over the next little hill or the dip in the road, so... We fear what the future may hold and, and sometimes because of that we can, um, we can be stopped in our tracks and just halted in what perhaps the Lord um, would have us to do. As odd as it may seem, sometimes we might remain, we might choose rather to just, just remain in, in some miserable neutral position than to step into uncharted waters. We've probably all been there. I know I'm not where I should be and I am as miserable as I can be but the fear of what's around the corner or the fear of what I can't see holds us in that particular place and so many times as a result of that I believe that that we all live below or beneath what God really wants us to experience in him and and uh, so I, I don't want to lack the faith that I need to trust God to take me down a road even if it's a new road <laughs> Even if it's a new path, it's. Uh, I know that there are probably some people that rise to every challenge in life, but I think for the most part, sometimes obstacles in our life and in our path can seem overwhelming. Um, you can't see over the mountain; you don't know what's around the corner. And it's in those seasons of times because we don't have all the answers and we don't quite understand where we're going or exactly what it is that God is mandating of, of us that that our faith can waver. And it'll just be okay to say amen to that because we've all had wavering faith. The strongest among us have experienced wavering faith. When we think about the children of Israel and my comments about the children of Israel tonight, tonight, in the past or in the future will never be criticism because they are just human. They were just human like you and I. We read their history and we ask ourselves, how in the world could a body of people that had been so miraculously delivered out of the hand of Pharaoh, they didn't come out slithering, crawling under barbed wire, they didn't come out in the... Uh, in the still of the night, but they came out, if I may say, with a high hand. <laughs> he said, I want you to borrow. You get all the gold, and the silver, and the raiment, and you walk out, and you're going to walk out, you're going to walk out my people. You're going to walk out, I blessed people. And indeed, they did. They walked out of Egypt. But within, and, and then they, they walked to the Red Sea. I, I, I want to belabor every little point, of their Exodus journey, but they came to the Red Sea. Uh, the enemy hurling on their heels. What are we going to do? Moses stretched out the rod. The sea parted. Wouldn't you have thought he would have been the man of the year for the rest of his life? (laughs) Moses, Moses, he's our man. If he can't do it, nobody can. He would have had the perpetual roadside sign, Moses. But within days of their deliverance, they're murmuring because of the bitter water at Mara. They've been delivered out of their captivity. They walked across on dry land. What a miracle. Across on the other side, their enemies are drowned in the same provision that God made for them. He drowned the enemy in that same thing. And so here's, here's the The bottom line perhaps, and you've probably heard it said this way or many ways similar to this, they were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. Because they're longing for the leeks and the onions. They're longing for yesterday. Somehow yesterday we can really slip on rose-colored glasses when it comes to yesterday. And uh, I'm thankful for yesterday, but there's some yesterdays I would not want to have to relive. I would not want to have to revisit that. In the book of Numbers uh, chapter 13, God commanded, and this is kind of where we're going to camp out a little while tonight in Numbers 13. God commanded Moses to send the 12 spies into the land of Canaan. And uh, it, was, it was here, now this promise has already been given. This promise has already given to Abraham back in Genesis 11 and 12. I'm going to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. They finally make their way here and they get here and God commands Moses to send 12 spies into the land of Canaan. It's interesting that God had already declared, I'm giving this to you. So here's the test of tests. This is yours. I want you to send 12 men, kind of spy out the land, bring us a report back. Their mission was truly to just... discover a little bit more about the people of the land, a little bit more about the land. To be specific, they were to report on the quality and the goods of the land. They were to come back, talk about the strength and the number perhaps of the people and uh, any obstacles that that obviously were going to be in their way. As with anything that God gives us, there's a little bit of taking on our part and a little bit of fighting on our part. And so we go to Numbers 13 and 25. And the Bible says that they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. They went and came to Moses and to Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Israel, under the wilderness of Paran and to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely... It floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. And if you are familiar with the story, you know men were bearing the fruit on st- of grapes on staves between them. And so it's true. Isn't this such a conflicting story? It's true. It is a land that flows with milk and honey, and here's the fruit. Here's the, uh, this is, this is a, the record of it, or this is proof of the fruit. But uh, when the Bible talks about milk and honey... Obviously, this is not, you know, uh, an actual thing, milk and honey that's flowing, but the milk and honey speak of the richness of the land. When there is milk in the land, that means there is something there to sustain the herd. That means there's something to sustain mankind. There's milk, there's sustenance, there's a future. And then when it says there is honey, that means that there is something here to sustain the crops, because this is in in an an agrarian era, era of time, then certainly it was important for them to know that you can be sustained, that there's gonna be something here to help pollinate the crops, there's gonna be something to give us a future, and there is milk to sustain anything that's born, and so we're going to be able to make it, and so those those were two very, very important things to happen if you're gonna have posterity. We're gonna have to not just have something out of the gate, but there's something here to sustain us. Moving to verse 28, the Bible says, Nevertheless, The people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. So already they're kind of amping up the crowd. We got a lot of things going against us. And Caleb, the Bible says, "Stealed the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. At best, this is a mixed report. The same ones that said, It really is a land that flows with milk and honey. The same ones that said, take a look at this fruit, were also the ones saying we cannot do that. Now, they were fighting against strong people, so there was truth to the story. But then when they said there were cities that were walled and very great, well, that's not altogether accurate. There were walled cities and there were great cities, but there were also cities there like Ai. <laughs> and so they're just kind of, you ever, you ever been around people like that? They're just highlighting everything that's wrong. There's no way we can take this. Now, Ai was a small city and Ai would have easily been taken. If you know your Bible, then you know that it wasn't so easily taken because of the wedges of silver that had been stolen, but and the hand of God that was against them. But in in a practical sense, Ai was not this walled and fortified city. And so all the cities weren't walled, and all the cities weren't great cities, and and uh, there would be some battles. If we go to verse number 32, the Bible says that they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land now, I mean, this is like off the right, off the front page of National Enquirer. Amen. This is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. That's not true. Amen. Not everyone was of great stature. It was the sons of Anak that were the giants. And so they're saying, man, there's nothing but walled and fortified cities, and there's nothing but giants there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We may have some mountains to climb. We may have some battles to go. But it's not always. And so it's very easy to get things out of focus when you take your eyes off of the Lord and put them on the wrong thing. Amen. And so you can see that negative report. And isn't it strange it's so much easier to believe a negative report than it is to believe a good report? Amen, and so verse 33, the Bible says, and there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come out of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. Now, how do you know that? You can deduce how you feel about them in your eyes, but you can't tell what they think about you. Amen, and so here is this overstatement again. Now, I believe the promised land was more amazing than they could have ever imagined. This, this exceeded every imagination of man. They had heard of this for years and years and years. This low, this land that flows with milk and honey. And yet, despite everything that the land itself had to offer, 10 of these 12 spies allowed fear to get the best of them. They focused on the challenges that were required to possess the land, and there will always be a challenge to grow. There will always be a challenge to move forward. I mean, there's always a challenge. I, I can remember vividly as a young man that, uh, I, don't, I don't know how prominent this is in everyone, but, but we have growing pains, and I, I would have horrible pains in my legs and and the doctor said it was growing pains and there was really very little, at least there was very little then that you could do about that. It was just part of growing and and, and to some degree we never get away from that because there's just growing pains that when God is trying to stretch us, some things have to be broken in our lives. Some things have to be twisted out of shape. Some things have to be moved out of place in order to give birth to some things. I'm, I'm not trying to be graphic here tonight but but you can't grow without pain. You can't move forward without challenges, but it's just part of the road to our promise. It's part of that road. Well, we, we would all love life to be happily ever after and, and there to never be a rainy day or there to never be a bad report, but that's just not how life moves. That's just not how life operates. Amen, and so they are focusing on all the things that were to big before them, the task is too great before us the opinion of the ten spies was that our enemies, they're too powerful. Our enemies, they are too numerous. Our enemies, this is too overwhelming. And sadly, these men focused on the circumstances rather than focusing on God. I am not at all suggesting tonight that we try to live our lives with our head buried in the sand denying some of the real life challenges that come our way. But I am saying that when we face those times, times of uncertainty certainty and times when we are indeed facing a walled city or times when we are facing a giant, times when we are facing things that are stronger than we that we slip our hand in the hand of the Lord and say God I didn't get here by accident, you didn't bring me to this day to leave me in my peril, you didn't bring me to this intersection to just leave me here wondering and scratching my head so I'm going to understand that this is just part of the road this is part of the journey, this is It's just part of me making my way to the promise. Amen. It's it's easy. It is very easy to focus on circumstances rather than God. I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes our faith is tangled up in reality, but we've got to let the spirit of God touch our hearts. And so the 10 spies saw a fight they could not win. Instead of trusting God, they did not want to do what they couldn't do on their own. They, they were not understanding that God is going to fight with us. That when we have God on our side, we have more than what you can see here. Amen. I, I, I'm thankful for that. I mentioned that a moment ago. We've got more praying here tonight than what you can see. We've got more on our side than what we can than what we can see. The Bible says that He has given His angels charge over us, concerning us, lest we dash Am I in the book? Lest we dash our foot against the stone, they would be here to bear us up. Amen. So we've all got an angel with us tonight that's standing here. I've got an angel beside me tonight that's standing here that's waiting. Lord, lest I dash my foot against the stone. They're right there with an outstretched hand. So I've got to put my trust in God and realize that when I am traveling through a moment of uncertainty, I'm just on the road of promise amazing how this negative attitude so quickly spread through the camp you know generally visual aids will help you succeed there's there's nothing better to drive a point home than a good illustration and so it's amazing to me that these two men have got these cluster grapes on their shoulders and it's amazing that that wasn't enough that a visual aid wasn't enough to say yeah but I believe that we ought to be able to do this because of the, of the ability to touch their heart and, and their minds with the reality of what was there. But this negative attitude apparently spread quickly through the camp of Israel and nothing can kill enthusiasm and faith like a negative attitude that's the absolute truth and it it's the power I mean that we need to be very very careful that we are not negative and cynical about things because that can like a brush fire it can tear down and destroy what God is trying to lift up if the report of the ten spies suppressed the faith of the people and apparently it did if the report of the of the ten spies made all of the people of Israel so uneasy I can tell you it had the opposite effect on Joshua and Caleb While some in the camp were going down, these two men were climbing higher. Joshua stood boldly to renounce the report of his contemporaries. Some obviously bemoaned their situation, but Joshua said, I'm going to put my faith and my trust and my confidence in God. I'm going to tell you that I am very, very thankful. And I have been the recipient of those cool, calm voices in my life those seasons when I thought I might lose my footing and someone came alongside with a sure word from the Lord. I'm thankful for cool heads that can prevail, somebody that can come along and just speak a word of confidence and a word of hope into your life. I'm not by myself, am I tonight? Amen, when we thought that we didn't know which way to turn, perhaps didn't know which way to turn or what to do or where to go, and there was someone that came along alongside us and there was just something about their few words or a prayer or just their arm around our neck, our shoulders that just said, you know what, this is all going to be all right. And so with bold faith, Joshua declared in Numbers chapter 14 the verses eight and nine. He said, if the Lord delight in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Verse number nine, he said, only rebel not ye against the Lord. And neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us, and their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Don't be afraid. We have God on our side. Amen. I'm going to tell you tonight how many times have we needed that calming voice of the Lord to say it's all going to be all right. We have God on our side. With man they just have the arm of flesh but with us is all of heaven. I'm going to tell you this evening I believe when I kneel in prayer in the morning that I am not just one voice praying. That I'm not just one man alone in my living room praying. I'm not just one man in my office praying but I believe that I have the attention of heaven. You can write me off and Call me foolish if you will, but I'm going to hold on to what Joshua's holding on to and saying, With us is the hand of God, with hand, the hand of God. Amen. We'd like to think this voice of reason would have been enough, but it wasn't. The people still murmured, and at this point, right here in Scripture, God would have annihilated them. Yes, He would. Thank God for Moses he prayed an intercessory prayer now there were times Moses needed God because there were times God, Moses was saying hey, I've had it all (laughs) and take them out but God said I'm going to destroy them and Moses prayed a prayer of intercession and God did not wipe out this nation he purged the unbelievers as you well know but he raised up another generation from them I think it's imperative that we don't talk ourselves out of what God is trying to give us Please let me say that again. It is imperative that we do not try to talk ourselves out of what God is trying to give us. We can think of a thousand excuses and a thousand reasons why this and why that and why the other. Amen, I wanna be very, very careful. I don't wanna be like the man in the Bible that that the Lord had to strike dumb. Amen, lest he talk himself out of the miracle that was already in the womb of his wife. And so I say, Lord, I don't wanna talk myself out of what you're trying to do. I wanna stay in the boat. Joshua and Caleb were the only two of that generation that were spared And it was their faith in God that preserved them through the next 40 years. Sometimes the real challenge before us is to stay focused on what God promised. What a real challenge. It takes real faith to hold on to something when God stops speaking. As long as you can hear the voice of God, all is well. But when God stops speaking, Am I speaking to anybody tonight? It takes real faith to keep walking when, when, when you have the feeling that somehow time or life has passed you by. It, it takes a lot of faith like Noah to keep working even when God never spoke to him again. If we ever forget where the Lord has brought us, then we may tend to doubt where he's trying to take us. Because when when we are thinking about where we are to where we feel like God is trying to lead us, it can seem like a journey that's so far beyond our comprehension. But can I just ask you a question? If you turn around and look back the other way, did you ever think you would have made it this far? And so when I think about where God has brought me Amen, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna doubt where he can take me. He's brought me a mighty long, I got a long way to go, but he's brought me a mighty, mighty long way. Amen, I'm gonna tell you that we're a long way even as a church we're a long way from where we were in 1940, amen, I, I don't think we're where God wants us to be but I thank God, amen, that we're not where we used to be, I say that with great deference and respect, amen, but if I forget where the Lord has brought me, and if you forget where the Lord has brought you, then it's gonna be easy to doubt where he's trying to take us who could have ever dreamed, who would have dared ever imagine that on the night you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost that you would be where you are tonight, doing the things that you are doing hallelujah amen you say well I don't know if I'm doing all that much we'll just compare your notes to when you come out of that spiritual birthing canal and I will promise you you're a long long way from where you were that night thank you Jesus thank God thank God it seems very difficult to understand how that the same people who had marched through the Red Sea could not trust God's promise for Canaan Why would God have not allowed you to to die somewhere along the way if there's nothing to all of this? And so if you're still alive, you still have purpose. Amen. Nevertheless, the fearful report of these ten spies caused them to refuse the claim of God's promises. Even more amazing to me is how, how Joshua and Caleb, just let me be honest here a moment, even more amazing to me is how Joshua and Caleb preserved their faith in the midst of all this negativity. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like they had somebody to sit around the campfire and say, you know, you guys are right. But I believe it was more like, you guys must be out of your mind. You guys must be out of your mind, but somehow, 40 years, we're not talking about just a few moments in time, trying to push through a few weeks or a few months, but we're talking about decades of time, and it just seemed like in the middle of this faithless environment, they held on. Amen. Now, I'm I'm certainly not suggesting their faith wasn't tested. They watched close friends and associates disallow what God had spoken and promised. I believe that. That had to hurt but they refused to give in to that. Somehow they stood strong. I think we can all agree that that disobedience always comes with a price. In this instance, the Israelites, to me, paid an excessive price. Not only did they lose a relationship with the Lord, but they lost the promise. I believe that that when we fail to really believe God and take him at his word, that, that alone costs more than it would have cost to surrender to his will. Let me say it another way. It, it costs more not to do the will of God than it does to do the will of God. I, I don't want to sound any way out of the way, but I've watched people pay high prices for being out of the will of God. And it wouldn't have cost nowhere near that much to have just been in the will of God. Amen. And so I just want to walk in his will and realize that I am just now on the road to my promise. And so as a result of their unbelief, the older generation died without receiving the promises of God. And here's something that should not be lost to us. Because of the unbelief of others, Joshua and Caleb had to wander also in the wilderness. These two voices that said, yes we can. Don't you know that had to test their ability to stay committed to God's call on to us on, on their life? I mean, they're marching too. They're living too. It's, it's every day. I, I submit to you that, that this time period only, only served to solidify somehow their commitment to God. No doubt it was this commitment, this commitment that we are well able to take this land. It was this commitment that led Joshua to the position to be the next pointed successor of Moses. You don't get there by accident. It was Moses watching him even through this 40-year period of uncertainty still saying, we can do it. We can do it. You see, possession of the land was not going to come without its battles and neither will ours. Whatever we gain in God, we're going to have to fight to get there. But God is going to bring us victory. And so the, the weight of this responsibility is now heavier. The mantle of leadership has fallen upon his shoulders and 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 it's one thing to follow the voice of God for yourself but it is quite another thing when you are responsible for others because the stakes are much, much higher. And so, to every mother and father, we understand that it is one thing to have the responsibility to serve God ourselves, but now we have the responsibility to lead our children amen into the into a relationship with God, and so the mantle that weight gets more and and more upon gnawing into our shoulders because i 'm not just serving the Lord for me now, but i 've got to serve him for somebody 's watching me, somebody is following me, somebody 's shadowing me, but the Lord kept assuring Joshua that he's with him and and God commanded Joshua more than one time, be courageous, be courageous. You see, it's easy to believe that God is moving when you can see evidence that he's moving. But when God just speaks something and that something is followed by silence, <laughs> I was thinking of something Earlier this morning, I uh, I shared, I shared, I think, this shortly after it happened, but I was reminded of it this morning, and I went back through my journal. I just wanted to read back through this again. I, 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 we, my wife and I had stopped by just south of Nashville and visited with Brother and Sister McElhaney. Many of you remember the McElhaney's, and we had breakfast with them, and and one morning, and then the next morning, we were in another part of the state, and we had just gotten on the road, and Brother McElhaney called me, and uh, when I answered the phone, he was crying and praying, and he said, I just need to tell you some things that I was just praying about, and the Lord spoke to me and said that I need to call you and tell you some of these things, and and so I turned the, my phone on speakerphone, and so, my wife and I were in the car. We were going down between Murfreesboro and Chattanooga on Interstate 24. We were going right through the mountains, and there was just nowhere to pull off. And so, we're just riding down the road, and he is crying, and he's praying, and he's speaking in tongues. And before I know it, we're crying, and we're praying, and we're speaking in tongues. We were a danger to everybody on the road, but God just kept his hand on us. What a moment. As best we could, we were trying to write down little bullet points of what he was sharing with us and 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 I was, later I'd put them in, in my journal. And you know, that was an awesome moment. God was in our car and man, we were just, but it didn't stay that way. So this morning, I'm just combing back over some of those promises because he said it, but he's been really silent about that since he said it is that making sense but that don't mean it's not true Amen, why would God wake a man of God up in another city and say, hey, I need you to call him. I got something I need you to tell him. i want to write this down. I don't know what this means. I don't know the magnitude of all of this, but this morning, I just pulled it back out and I just run my fingers back through the, the promises there. I hope that that makes sense to you. I don't know, it's, it's, it's one thing. I remember that moment, right? Oh, it was neat, that was awesome. I would love that experience every day of my life. But that presence lifted. And we had to keep traveling home. We came back to our real life where you got peril and problems and situations and things to deal with. And and that voice that God spoke that day has never spoken again about that. But it was a promise. And it's just the road to the promise. And I've got to hold on to that. Praise God. Praise God. It takes real faith to keep walking. Yes, it does. And so the key to Joshua's success was that he had demonstrated this 40 years of faithfulness, 40 years of walking, complete reliance upon God and his word. In the midst of all this negative outfall, he was ready to work, walk by faith. 40 years later, he stands prepared to cross the Jordan River. After all this time, after all of those funerals, after all of that unbelief, he stood in absolute faith that God is going to deliver us. The forefathers of the previous generation, it was they that had experienced the crossing of the Red Sea. And now their children was going to experience something very similar in the crossing of Jordan River. Joshua marched Israel to the banks of Jordan. He didn't know the manner in which their passage would come. He didn't know how this is going to be. He's just following God right up to the last moment. And in Joshua 3 and 5, he said, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Amen. And I'm gonna tell you, I believe that man of God, you believe what you will, but I believe that man of God went to bed that night in absolute faith. Amen. That in the morning, God is gonna show wonders. He is. Amen. He begged them to purify themselves. He was, he was begging them. What he was really trying to say is don't repeat the acts of your fathers. We're standing here again. Brought, God has brought us one more time to the brink don't repeat what your forefathers have done. According to God's plan, Joshua instructed the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant, go before the people in Joshua 3 and 6. After further instructions, the priest carried the Ark to the, to the river and according to verse 15, the Jordan River overflowed its banks during the time of the harvest. And so it was It was at this time, it was flood stage. Amen, the, the, the faith of the priest was met. The Bible says that when the soul of the priest feet of the priest touched the water, that's when the water's going to part. It was a little bit different then, than when Moses just stretched the rod out. Amen. It's going to be a similar miracle, but a little bit different. I'm going to wait, but the Bible does say that when the feet of the priest touched the water, that it went back. Amen. And they walked across on dry ground. Oh, I pray, God, help us tonight that we will understand the things that we go through are just things we're experiencing on the road to our promise. God, God is not sitting on some eternal throne flexing his muscles but God is working something in our life. I believe that sometimes God is trying to work something into us and other times God is trying to work something out of us because, so that he can take us what he has destined for us. Praise God. And so I want to come in for a landing here and reach back to my title And hopefully, with the help of the Lord, to pull this into perspective. I believe that we can glean a crucial principle from this story. And it's a principle that is applicable to all generations. And so here it is there will always be obstacles in the road to our promise. So we got to be willing to fight to overcome them. Make no mistake whatsoever that the Red Seas look different and giants come in all forms but they always come. Obeying the will of God will not come without a struggle but nothing in life worth having is gonna come without a struggle. And if we are careful how we handle the circumstances that come in our life they won't be stumbling blocks, but they'll be stepping stones. In overcoming the challenges, we we experience God's power, and we experience a, a, a develop rather a deeper faith in God. Because the journey is is just as important as the destination. And I know I've mentioned something similar to this in in previous services, but the journey is just as important as the destination, because the journey has a way of transforming us and. The journey has a way of equipping us for God's purpose because I believe the Lord's trying to get something through to us. Because you see, before Joshua was chosen to succeed Moses as Israel's leader, he spent a number of years preparing for that role. And so don't ever discount where you are because God may be teaching you and teaching me something. Joshua's faith and his commitment through the years ultimately brought him and the people of Israel to the promised land. Now, Joshua in this, in this bold and decisive manner which he obeyed God in all things large and small really and truly left a legacy for every generation that followed because he just stayed true. He stayed the course. Now we can see people from a distance and, and we can think they're giants without a wrinkle in their robe. But I'll promise you, that somewhere along the way they clawed their way through a lot of uncertainty trusting God one step at a time believing God amen believing God let's stand can we do that if we are if we are looking at an obstacle from the wrong perspective it's certainly easy to get discouraged and turn back and i would admit that our obstacles today are not generally rivers they're not generally giants they're not generally fought with swords and shields but it doesn't make them any less lethal we, we fight perhaps in a much more contemporary way we wrestle not against flesh and blood but whatever the obstacle the end result is the same If we don't overcome this, then we're never going to reach what God has in store for us. This is one small thing that I've learned in life. That whatever mountain it was that backed me down is going to be the same mountain that I have to climb if I go forward. And so, in all honesty, all of us have had some mountains that backed us down. We somehow backed up and got our wits about us, took a deep breath and said, God, somehow or another, I need you to help me do this. And you know what? He will. He indeed will. And so whatever we experience, it is, it is amazing. And if I could just use a natural illustration, sometimes the things that um, maybe you've gone through in, in your own marriage you've been able to help your children with later you didn't really understand the magnitude of what you were going through but later in life you realize where you could take a lot of experience and say let me help you with something there's no sense in every one of us running off in the same hole and so I'm just going to put a big barrier right here and say there's a pothole right here you can avoid this You can avoid this. And and the reason I know is because I've been right here. Right here. Amen. I wonder if we would just lift our hands and ask God to touch us tonight. Lord, I ask you to help us to understand the importance of putting our trust and confidence in you. God, I am.